You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Just like that, the second hour is here. Glad you're with us for OutKick 360. Hutton Withrow with you. We'll check in on the Senior Bowl. Our Trey Wallace from OutKick.com will chime in in hour number three. A headline to hit immediately, uh, and look, I'm skeptical because I heard what the NCAA did and said uh, when NIL was uh, allowed, right? But Supreme Court, uh, they took a step back and they pointed to the individual institutions, the individual programs, the individual conferences, and now uh, the headline from uh, Sports Illustrated and uh Ross Dellinger, who joins us. The doors are opening for NCAA to close in on NIL violations. Ross, uh, is this directly in response to what we've seen from Florida, what we've seen from Rashada, or is it more than this? Uh, not not necessarily. So this has been in the works actually for several months. Uh, we know that, you know, I kind of take you through the timeline you know, July 2021, obviously, we all know that's when NIL began. And around spring of 2022, so around this time last year, we saw, uh, you know, the recruiting cycle, the first recruiting cycle with NIL end. Um, And we saw a lot of, obviously, uh, NIL-related issues arise from administrators to coaches. We can go back to the May uh, flap kind of between Nick Saban and uh, Jimbo Fisher. And there was a lot of public outcry from coaches and administrators to uh, have the NCAA begin enforcing NIL and NIO-related uh, rule-breaking. Um, so it really goes all the way back to pretty much last spring. Um, and that kind of led to this past October uh, when the NCAA passed a lowering of the standard of a violation. So... Basically, it gives investigators, NCA investigators, a little more leeway to charge schools with a violation uh, around NIL. And that took effect January 1, but it was actually passed in October. So well before the Rashada stuff. But the Rashada stuff is certainly the exact kind of issue uh, that administrators and coaches around the country want the NCA to investigate and prosecute and levy penalties against. Ross, it doesn't surprise me that what was intended to be NIL name image likeness very quickly became pay for play with these teams and with these collectives. But what does surprise me a bit is how quickly it was reported on as such, that it was just accepted fact that this is the value of a player. This is what's rumored that they're getting to go to this school. This is what it's going to cost to get another player. And there was no real subterfuge in terms of what was going on, is the scope of that coverage 
and the way we've talked about it in the media, is that a big part of this, that people aren't even hiding it in terms of pay-for-play? Well, I think it is. I think it's a combination of media coverage of of NIL and NIL recruiting. Um, but in order to have media coverage and, and stories, you you obviously need sources. And there's been a lot of people, whether it's those taking part in the NIL recruiting and you know rule breaking, or those you know, victimized by the NIL or NIL rule breaking. Uh, that are talking, um, some of them not even um, behind the guise of anonymity. Some of them are talking publicly. Um, boosters, NIL collective CEOs talking about the issues and what's going on, what we're seeing, which is, you know, NIL being used um, in recruiting. And, um, you know, whether it's agents or administrators or boosters or coaches or NIL executive types uh, collective executives uh you are seeing a lot of people talking publicly uh about nil uh in private uh in in in, in public in on the record in in off the record uh there's there's a lot of discussion about it um and it, it's probably because it's new and and people have been shocked by it in a way uh or because they're victims of it um or for whatever reason, they're angry because some other school is offering more than they did. Um, so there's a lot of finger pointing. Um, you know, school A is pointing the, the finger at school B. And guess what? School B is pointing the finger back at school A. Ross Dellinger, our guest, a Sports Illustrated senior college football writer. Uh, and in many cases, to further what you're saying, it's the player. You know, the player's family discussing how they are not getting paid and you know, what they want to do about it. And that's why I immediately think Rashada, but also like the Drake may rumor um, where he's going to get what? 5 million to transfer to one of these sec schools. Um, Pat Narduzzi started that. Yes. Pitt's head coach yes. mentioned that. So with that in mind, uh, we know how slow the NCAA is at investigating literally anything. How are they going to retroactively go back and police this in in theory and and the timetable for which it's necessary to actually get a grasp on this? Well, I think cases that they uh, closed are not going to be reopened. Um, okay. The retroactive is an interesting question. Um, I think. Whatever they investigate from here on out, if it's an active investigation, I think they're going to use the standard of the violation. And, and to kind of explain a little bit about what that is, um, you know, the NCAA before this rule change needed on-the-record sourcing um, to or on-the-record documentation to prove to go to a school and to allege a violation. Now they can use circumstantial evidence. Maybe a tip, maybe an anonymous tip, maybe a news story, a media uh, report. Uh, they can they can use that now and go to the school alleging a violation, and it's up to the school. Uh, it's it's the the burden of the schools to prove that it's not a violation. So it makes it a little easier to allege violations, um, which you would think, and the hope is from the NCA side and many in college athletics that. It will lead to more, you know, more investigations, more 
successful investigations with allegations of violations and subsequently penalties. Um, however, I think one of the issues still with outstanding is what will the penalties be and will they be impactful at all? Will they send a message and stop the rule breaking behavior uh, around the country? And I'm not so sure about that. You know, uh, they cannot, you know, the NCA has no authority over private companies like collectives or boosters, private individuals. Uh, and so the plan, I think, is to penalize schools um, with fines and potentially require schools to disassociate from boosters who are um, breaking rules, allegedly breaking rules. So it'll be really interesting. That's going to be the real test when the NCA levies its first, you know, penalties what will they be and will they really affect how everyone else around the country is doing business it's very interesting the point you bring up uh, on the potential of them telling the school to disassociate when they're not going to be able to tell the player to do that they're right i mean the player can associate based on name image likeness with who he or she chooses and then the school is at odds with that at least in theory outside of the stadium right like Whatever the rules are, the players can represent themselves in this. And with a, with a, the NCAA so afraid of being sued. And again, I don't, I don't blame them for that based on what happened with the Supreme Court. It's an interesting pool to jump back into. Yeah, well, and, and I left off the issue with the players right there. They've announced, the NCAA has basically announced that when it comes to NIO-related penalties, um, players will not. Um, will not be penalized. Their uh, their athletic eligibility will will not be penalized. Uh, and the NCAA is moving away from you know postseason ban type stuff and scholarship reductions as well. Because again, that hurts players. So anything they do that really impacts or or hurts players specifically, they're probably not going to do because of the era that we're in, the kind of athlete rights type of movement that we've seen. As you mentioned, partly because of the courts, um, the Supreme Court Austin ruling, and also the state lawmakers that have passed all these NIL laws. It's just a situation right now where athletes, uh, you know, the the pendulum has swung, so to speak. So the NCAA is not going to penalize athletes, and that leaves only, and again, they can't, as I mentioned before, they can't penalize boosters and private companies, really. Um, so that leaves the schools to be penalized with some kind of fines. Uh and I think that's probably the the only – I think that's probably what happens. Um, and it, it'll be interesting to see what impact that has around the country. But you're right. You know, players players are kind of getting off here, right? Um, and that's, you know, for so long, players you know, didn't have a whole lot of rights within college sports. And now we're seeing them um, have those. And some people might say – it's too much, uh, but for years and years and decades, they didn't have they didn't have many rights at all, and they obviously weren't paid, despite you know their coaches making millions of dollars and even administrators making making millions of dollars. Chad, I wonder uh, will the fines levied towards uh, the penalties levied towards the institutions, the schools, be more or less than what the SEC would fine for storming the field? It's a great question. And also, by the way, we know that the NCAA is about to have a new a new president coming in. Uh, all's quiet on the Big Ten commissioner search right now, Ross. Mm. Um, 
How different is it covering a story? You, you as a reporter in college football, where you're covering a collection of school presidents that are out there trying to make a decision on a commissioner as opposed to covering any job search where it's AD, president, boosters surrounding it, and are you hearing anything on the possible next Big Ten commissioner? Not really. Um, they just announced a couple of days ago, I believe, um, maybe last week, that uh, they just announced a search firm that they'll use. Turnkey uh, will be running the search, which Turnkey ran um, several other searches of, of major college positions lately. They they ran the search or helped run the search of the uh, NCAA president that was hired, who came from outside of college athletics. They helped run the search of the Pac-12 commissioner, George Klavkov, outside, came from outside of college athletics. They helped run the search of the Big 12. Uh, Brett Yormark was hired again outside of college athletics. So you're seeing a theme there when Turnkey is involved in a search. And the last time the Big 10 made a hire, obviously, um, they hired someone from outside of the college sports world. So uh, that all that said, um, I get just a sense that the Big Ten might take it a different direction this time and, and hire somebody from within college sports. Uh, but but you hear both sides. You know, you hear people say that the Big Ten should should go the way of other commissioners in the NCAA president and hire somebody within um, this industry. Uh, but you also hear that it's it's good to get an out, outside perspective. However, given the fact that they went outside for the last commissioner hire, and some would say uh, that there were issues that certainly cropped up, especially between Kevin Warren and the athletic director room uh, within the Big Ten, that they need somebody within the industry this time around. So I, 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 I lean toward that. That's what's going to happen. But uh, certainly Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, has to be a candidate, you would think. Um, he finished runner-up basically to Kevin Warren in the search uh, a few years ago and then landed the ACC job. So a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of people in that athletic director room at the Big Ten, uh, thought that Jim Phillips should have been hired a few years ago uh, as the Big Ten commissioner. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Ross, I'm curious uh, your take on this. From the perspective of which way they turn for the hire, which way do you think the SEC hopes they go as the direct competitor for superiority in college sports? Well, um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I guess... I guess the SEC, yeah, I mean, the, these two entities, the Big Ten and the SEC, certainly are the two juggernauts of college sports right now. And, um, you know, there's, in a lot of ways, they don't like each other much. <laughs> I, I think there have been some shots that have been taken publicly. Um, and it's pretty obvious that they're becoming, if they haven't been for years, pretty staunch rivals. Uh, and this feels like a territory grab. Um, you know, when it comes to conference realignment with, with both programs we've seen the last year. So I, you know, I don't know. I I'm for the health of all of college sports. I'm sure the sec would like a hire that, um, of a person who does not want to continue to expand the, the league, uh, and wants to, you know, you've heard Greg Sinke say quite a bit that he wants to preserve college sports on a national scale. Um, 
And so to do that, you don't need, you need somebody that uh, is going to stick with the 16 and not continue to expand. Like it was kind of suggested that Kevin Warren actually wanted to do is, is keep expanding. Did you think Jim Harbaugh was going to the NFL? Um, you know, it's two years in a row now. We've had stories come out saying that if Jim Harbaugh were have gotten an NFL offer, he would have taken it. Uh, it's a weird story because I don't know what college coach outside of a handful would not take a job in the NFL if offered to him. Um, so it's kind of obvious. But uh, it seemed like over the last two, three, maybe even four years that, yeah, Jim Harbaugh wanted to return to the NFL. Uh, and I think it's kind of one of those things where the ball is in the NFL's court and they just haven't asked him to play. So strange, though. Chad and I were discussing yesterday how the, the Broncos reportedly flew to Ann Arbor for a face-to-face with him. And normally, when you fly in, you fly back with your guy. I mean, that's in college coaching searches, that's what goes on, and they didn't. And that, that part is very intriguing to me, the fact that the Broncos came to him and he didn't leave to go back to Denver. We have breaking news, by the way, on oh, that front. Okay, go ahead. From Adam Schefter, Saints and Broncos are finalizing compensation in return for Super Bowl-winning head coach Sean Payton to be the next Broncos head coach. Uh-huh. So there may be wow. a reason why Jim Harbaugh, Ross, is not the head coach in Denver. Well, I think he turned him down. There and you they, go. They've circled back again. Instead of going to the next guy, they're circling back to the guys who have turned them down, uh, which has been... D'Amico uh, Ryans, and um, in this case, uh, Harbaugh. Now back to Peyton, who's going to own the franchise, basically. He's going to own Walmart now. Um, <laughs> Ross, appreciate the perspective, man. It's always great. Uh, keep up the great work. Um, I, I think in, in large part, uh, the, the digging that goes on behind the scenes is less and less nowadays, you know, and you do a great job at that. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. There's uh, Ross Dellinger of uh, SI. Uh, and again, great story, and we've recapped it at Outkick on the NIL regulations. We've, we'll discuss uh, Sean Payton and what got what got resolved, Chad? What got resolved with uh, the disagreement with the power struggle that was reported last week with Sean Payton and the uh, one of the members of the Broncos ownership group, um, which apparently is uh, the same guy who flew up and met with Harbaugh. We've also got details on what Denver's giving up. Okay, well, details next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sean Payton is back in the NFL. He's the new head coach of the Denver Broncos. And... Report first uh, by Adam Schefter, followed immediately uh, with the same information uh, by Ian Rappaport as well. Uh, Denver went into the process trying to land and and go big with Jim Harbaugh, Sean Payton, and others. And they are sending a first-round pick this year and an early pick next year to the New Orleans Saints for 
Sean Payton. This will also be an exchange of picks, Chad, from the Saints to the Broncos. They're sending back like a lower round pick, I believe, as part of the compensation with Sean Payton. So the By the way, Adam Schefter's on a roll. He just broke another story. Go ahead. Former 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans reached an agreement today on a six-year deal. So this, sources. this 29 seconds ago. This sets up what happened this past weekend. Denver and ownership circled back to their three main targets, and the reports that came out that D'Amico Ryans was not it was the lead candidate in Houston, and that they were not going to hold the lawsuit from a few years back against him which was dropped in the court. They removed the Texans and the NFL from a, an injury lawsuit on the turf. It was settled outside of uh, uh, the court. Um, that once D'Amico Ryan said, no, I'm, I'm not going to choose Denver. Denver flew to Ann Arbor to double back on Harbaugh, who had already removed his name on his own and was staying with Michigan. And yesterday we're discussing, like, what do they do next? Who's next on the list? Well, based on what they had done... They circled back with Sean Payton. And in the meantime, they worked out the agreement with New Orleans. What Denver did is they offered two different compensation packages. And it was up to New Orleans to choose which one they wanted, if they would accept it. And one of them was a first-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year in exchange for Payton. Another one was you get two picks this year, first-round first pick, uh, second- or third-round pick, I believe this year as well. Plus you're sending us back like a fourth or fifth round in exchange for Sean. Yeah, Schefter tweeted that out, the two options, then took it down. And then he put the actual compensation okay. in its place. Denver's 2023 first round pick next year's second round pick for Sean Payton and the saints, 2024 third round pick by all reports, Russell Wilson heavily involved in recruiting Sean Payton. Sean Payton also wanted to get paid. And that's going. I can't wait to find out the uh, the reported annual compensation, which was you know, rumored to be around what twenty million, upwards of twenty five, but we'll say twenty million. And if he gets close to that, he's the highest paid coach in the league, um, and he's you know he's getting more than the highest paid coaches in college football, which you also don't see at the upper crust of the NFL coaching searches for sure. Denver went big because they have the ownership to certainly do it. But they also went the opposite of what they did a year ago with an organization that was about to be sold and everything was about to be turned over to new ownership. And what they didn't want to do was go get a first-time head coach on, I, 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 unless I guess it was D'Amico Ryans, where uh, Benjamin Albright and others have said like he was certainly on their top list but there wasn't another coach that had never been a, a head coach before that was linked to them. I know uh, Dan Quinn was certainly one that they interviewed and others. Uh, but in terms of their, their top targets, they land the top target of the offseason and of the last NFL season. The discussion has been, who's going to get Sean Payton? Turns out it's, it's Denver and it's Russell Wilson, uh, the same quarterback that Sean Payton has been uh, on Fox breaking down, and he was asked directly how he would fix Russell Wilson. Yeah, and a story from Outkick, Jason Cole, with a, a column, source close to Sean Payton on the coach's feelings about Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson, quote, Wilson is a project. He has to be fixed. 
I know that's what Sean is thinking about as he takes that job. He's right. Now, is it fixable would be my question with Russell Wilson. Well, or is this just who Russell Wilson is now? You're not taking that job unless you think you can fix it if you're Sean Payton. So clearly, Payton's answer is yes, it can be fixed. And uh, part of his answer whenever he was on Fox the pregame, this was, what, two months ago maybe, um, he's discussing how you know, Wilson in Seattle versus Wilson in Denver looked vastly different. More pocket, uh, uh, throwing from the pocket in Denver versus being on the move in Seattle. And, you know, the, the whole storyline there was, well, in Seattle, the offensive line, right, was not conducive for him staying in the pocket and it was better in Denver. Well, turns out he had the worst season he's ever had uh, since he's been in the league in Denver. They've got to get him on the move and use those traits better uh, moving forward. Now, the other link to uh, Sean Payton was Vic Fangio, former head coach of the Denver Broncos, linked by defensive coordinator hire. And Fangio, over the weekend, chose the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniel. And with all this going on, you know, Denver didn't want to bring back their head coach. I'm, again, I'm just spitballing here. Or it came down to Fangio, Fangio not want to go back to the organization that had just fired him, which would also be awkward. But you're also working for Sean Payton, who, if he's wanting to bring you in, pretty safe. And with that defense and what Fangio's known for the last two times he's been a defensive coordinator... He will be back, and he will be a head coach again in the NFL. Uh, not if, but when, based on the success of his defenses. Meanwhile, in Houston, uh, media there is rejoicing. Yes. D'Amico Ryan's in the hire. Uh, our buddy Mike Meltzer, who hosts a show in Houston, tweets out that uh, it's been 1,115 days, but the Houston Texans are now officially back in the NFL with this hire. So, And I wonder, the sports media that just immediately latches on uh, to the woke take here in Houston where they had fired uh, minority coaches. And I forgot who it was. They were saying, oh, this is, a, this is racist. Yeah. What are they saying today? Well, they go with Ryan. Well, it's three straight African-American hires in a row for the Houston Texans. Yes. And Two they, or one and done. They don't, but they don't pay attention to the, uh, the hirings. They're pointing to the firings. Uh, and You could argue that the Houston Texans are the most progressive team in the NFL <laughs> right now. Based off of that, those hiring practices. And they just hired a, a former player, a great player for Houston, who had, in a lawsuit, named them in a lawsuit for reasons why his season and his career was cut short because he was playing on turf there at uh, NRG Stadium. NFL was named. They were dropped just like the Texans were, and they went back to the, the turf company and settled out of court but it is uh it's interesting chad that we've we've seen two hires back to back today where denver circles back to the guy that was trying to double down and he was holding firm on whatever he was wanting from broncos ownership in terms of power uh over the organization they've got two patents now their general manager and their head coach and we see in houston uh they hire a, a former uh, player who had listed them in a lawsuit at one time. Yeah, and now how quickly do the dominoes fall on everyone Fast. else? You get, well, there's the going to be some Bowl waiting and, on Super Bowl participants. Uh, yeah, yes, but you can interview them now, which is I yeah. mean, yeah, anyone participating over the last weekend in conference championship weekend, 
the earliest they could talk to teams for a second interview was Monday, yesterday. And Ryan's was able to do that, and they finalized it. Now, you could have had this finalized over whatever, but uh, from the official stance, Monday was the first that you could actually circle back and hammer something out with the individual. Houston got it right here uh, on the options. If Sean Payton wasn't going to go there, if you weren't willing to pay the compensation, you get the guy who is uh, straight leadership. And that's what they need. They need structure and leadership in Houston. He was the hot name. He was the, you know, he's the, for lack of a better, he's the Sean McVay of this go around for a head coaching job where he's the type of guy that you want because of his success with that defense, young, played in the league, great communicator with his team. It, it, It makes a ton of sense. For the Texans to do this, whether he sued them or not, this is this is the right move for the Houston Texans. And from the Broncos' perspective, they're all in. They're paying the price. They're giving up a first-round pick. New Orleans is getting a first and a second in exchange for Peyton's contract headed to the uh, Denver Broncos. And no excuses now for Russell Wilson. You're all in at quarterback and your head coach. You're locked in no matter how it goes now. So who do you point blame to? It'll be George Payton, their general manager. But if Payton's not, Sean Payton's not going anywhere where he's not going to have personnel control. I mean, it's all, it's all on Russell Wilson at this point. It's, uh, look, the new guy always gets the benefit of the doubt, as opposed to someone who's been there before that's had some rough times. It's a rough year for Russell Wilson. If it doesn't work out, they're not going to blame Sean Payton in Denver. They will blame Russell Wilson for back-to-back years and just say the guy's, the guy's cooked at this point. So it's on, it's on him to make that improvement. We'll find out if he's capable. I am surprised uh, with the, the Cowboys not being in the mix, not mentioned once since the loss to San Francisco. With all of the discussion where it's a foregone conclusion with uh, the Rooney rule being at the top of uh, top of mind last offseason with the uh, process that you have to go the the idea that McCarthy was dead man walking he ends up firing his offensive coordinator or they let him walk um, and he was immediately Kellen Moore immediately hired which is interesting and the option now is some version of Mike McCarthy calling plays in Dallas if you'd have told me all that that's how the season's going to end I would have told you Sean Payton's the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And instead, he's having to the Denver Broncos uh, to replace a first-time head coach who was fired after 16 games. So, Colts, Cardinals, who am I leaving off? That's available now. We've got, we filled the Broncos, the Panthers, the Texans. That's, that's it. it. That's, that's, there were five openings to begin so, the week. And then there were two. And Indy is having second interviews with literally anyone right now. Uh, Carolina, uh, Dave Tepper said that he went the wrong direction with Matt Rule in this quote-unquote CEO role, which I found intriguing because they were also talking with a coach who would require CEO status in Sean Payton. And they end up with Frank Reich. Who, I mean... it. I don't know why you would mention that after you hire Reich. You say that before you, you hire Frank Reich, because to me that paints Reich in a bad light. 
Yeah, saying right? this the guy, opposite of Matt Rule. Yeah, this guy's not going to have any control or be any type of CEO. Yeah, that, type. that's how it comes across anyway. Uh, and again, read into it. Also, with with the money that apparently um, Sean Payton was requiring, what did Jim Harbaugh turn down? That's what I want to know. In the initial process, everyone was saying that he was the guy that Denver zeroed in on. I've got no issue with Harbaugh other than the stupid second statement after he talked with NFL teams that he was committed to Michigan and then turns around and Denver flies in to meet with him. And he meets with them and then apparently told them no again or whatever he was demanding, Denver thought and said, we'll answer Sean Payton's demands and not yours and not give you what you want totally. But I don't know why you fly in to I don't either. discuss his demands. I, again, it's very, it's just an odd situation for a sitting college head coach to take that meeting on campus or in Ann Arbor with the Denver Broncos after issuing a statement that you're not interested in, in NFL jobs and you're committed I mean, to Michigan. Gundy made a he's made a career of it taking meetings, being committed to Oklahoma State. Yeah, but Gundy always leads to a contract extension. Well, that's why you take the meeting. Though. Yeah, but my point is they just re-upped Harbaugh, so. Again, like there was the and two statements. Like he immediately, first off, you remember he had that weird, vague comment about, um, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be back coaching Michigan next year. And then he came back and doubled down and said, no, I'm definitely coaching Michigan. But oh, by the way, Denver, come on, fly the private jet in. It's, it's, it's weird. But we're, we live in an era now of college athletics where you can continue to tack on extensions annually if you so choose. Um, you know, how long before Kirby Smart is once again the highest paid SEC coach? It's out of while. Not long. Uh, you know, they'll they'll announce it at their spring meetings, I'm sure, or just prior to that with the big con- – it's crazy, uh, the money that they're tossing around. Um, so uh, Rex Ryan's theory is out the window. Uh, his theory was Tom Brady and Sean Payton could be linked to Washington if uh, you're looking for a surprise NFC team. Well, now the, the rumors are running rampant that it's going to be the 49ers for Tom Brady. He'll go play one year for his hometown team yep. and play with Kyle Shanahan. And so there's another NFC team to throw out. Well, that I mean, given the injury circumstances, that's plausible now. Based on the way Brock Purdy was playing and knowing you had Trey Lance coming back from injury, um, it didn't make – while it made sense for Brady, I didn't know if it made sense for San Francisco – now it does because you've got Purdy who's coming off this elbow sur- or elbow surgery, six months rehab. You have Trey Lance who, what, broke his ankle and is coming back and he's going to be competing in camp. Uh, two quarterbacks coming off injury. Now you could potentially have Brady as your option. Uh, craziness we'll be discussing. Coming up, we will uh, take a look at uh, the uh, crazy questioning and then the wonderful answer that uh, was given by a tennis player that you need to hear from that's next on outkick 360 mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Denver Broncos, they're hiring Sean Payton. And in the last two off-seasons, they have now traded three first-round picks and three second-round picks, plus other compensation in exchange for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, who agreed to whatever Denver circled back with after they went on the road to Ann Arbor secretly to double back with Jim Harbaugh, report from Ian Rappaport that they had just done that recently with D'Amico Ryans, who had also just removed his name from consideration. Today, according which, to Rappaport. Which was a and, and finalized immediately after the report of, of Sean Payton that D'Amico Ryans is the new head coach of the Houston Texans. Yeah, this is the exact tweet from Ian Rappaport. Unbelievable. The Broncos spent today trying to hire D'Amico Ryans again before he recommitted to the Texans, sources say. When he agreed to term with the Texans, terms with the Texans, they moved and finalized Sean Payton. They've gone back and forth. It's the figure eight of, of coaching. Isn't it weird, though, that Sean Payton isn't somebody's first choice to make that move? Well, I, not if you have a top three and you don't want to give in to whatever he wanted in terms of the power. And again, we don't know. That was just the report. Um, and then it comes down to, okay, uh, our two other guys are out. Sean Payton or Buss is how they viewed it. Yeah. And they were, by all accounts, they're the only team that was in on it. Well, it's clear the mandate was, you know, go big or go home for Rob Walton and his first big hire. I'm and they went big. And, and, you know, Quinn went back to Dallas. I, I want to know who the fourth option would have been after all this. This feels like a, a, a college coaching search gone wrong, but they still end up with their guy. Yeah. I mean, it could have been a lot worse with egg on the face for Denver with other teams hiring their candidates and then the main guy going back to uh, media for a year to wait it out another year. Instead, Sean Payton misses a year. He had two years left on the contract when he stepped away from New Orleans, and he's now back in it to the AFC and the Denver Broncos. Uh, Chad, we live in a, a world now where uh, it's, sports media is digging just like everyone else in narratives, agendas, political agendas. Um, and but there's certainly plenty of examples of this. Uh, most recently, here is uh, Victoria Azarenka, a tennis player who called out a media member for pushing a specific political agenda. I, I don't know what you guys want us to do about it. Like, talk about it. I, 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 don't, I don't know what's, what's the goal here that um, is continuously brought up and uh, these incidents that, in my opinion, have nothing to do with players, but somehow you keep dragging players into it. So what's the goal here? I think you should ask yourself that question, not me. Does it, just, sorry, just to clarify on that though, does it frustrate you that, um, you know, particularly last night, for example, it was a clear sort of pro-Russian demonstration happening within the grounds of the tournament that these people are coming and using the Australian Open as a platform for this, these kind of demonstrations? Does that frustrate you? Whatever the answer I'm going to give it to you right now, it's going to be turned whichever way you want to turn it to. 
So does it bother me? What bothers me is um, there's real things that's going on in the world. And I don't know, are you a politician? Are you? Are you covering politics? Yes, and I'm a sports, and I'm an athlete. And you're asking me about things that maybe somebody says are in my control, but I don't believe that. So I don't know what you want me to answer. And if it's a provocative question, then, you know, you can, you can spin the story however you want. Refreshing uh, to hear from Azarenka there. And I think we will see more uh, players, coaches, be able to slap back if if they so choose based on whatever's being pushed their way when the, the media doesn't get the answer that they want. Todd Bowles comes to mind yeah, this past preseason. Yeah, Lane of ESPN about being an African-American head coach in the league. This is great by Azarenka. She is, just a little background, she is from Minsk, Belarus, former Soviet Republic. She's being asked about pro-Russian demonstrators at the Australian Open, and she's refusing to talk about it or, or answer it. And her rationale was perfect because whatever I say is going to be spun whatever direction politically you want to take it, and then that's going to be the story you write. And I'm tired of answering those questions when I'm here you know, just getting done playing a tennis match. Well said by her. She lives in Scottsdale, Arizona now. But Hutton, I thought it was very well articulated by her. For someone that English is a second language to her, I could not have said it better. She handled herself well, uh, well. with poise the whole time. <laughs> And she wasn't going to go there, but we see this constantly. It's this game of, I'm writing this column about this, so I'm going to serve you up and you give me the soundbite I want, but I've already made up my mind that I'm writing this. I'm writing this viewpoint. This is going to be my narrative. This is my worldview. Now help supply the air around that by giving me a comment, and then I can run with it however I want. That's exactly what's happening with this question. Well, the, but also keep in mind the first question and you tell me where the agenda is here, uh, keeping in mind this is the Australian Open, um, that Novak Djokovic's father had been photographed with a group of pro-Russian supporters during the week and her thoughts on the pro-Russian storyline. So when we pick up, that's her initial response. And then the follow-up from the reporter, again, trying to push whatever narrative uh, they're out there to get. And she's exactly right, no matter how she answers it. She's either going to be listen to this wonderful answer on this specific topic, or it's going to be how dare she answer this way. Yeah. And I mean, there's no uh, coincidence that Djokovic's father is the one that they're tuned into there in Australia, given the fact that a year ago he was deported from the country because he wasn't vaxxed. She had three options. One, give them the answer she knows they want, and then they can write the story she never wanted to be a part of with the quote that she never wanted to be a part of. Two, she can fight back against who, whatever the reporter's narrative is and say something that's probably going to get her in trouble on yeah. social media and with the rest of the media. Or three, do what she did and not really answer the question and explain why you don't want to answer the question. I applaud her for doing just that. Yeah, and, and very well said. And you know, you've got like Andrew Bogut, who's retweeting, saying, this is spot on, thank you, uh, and, and others that are giving her credit. And I think others will take the, they'll take this and, you know, rinse and repeat, quite frankly, with some of the, you know, the, you, 
Todd Bowles is a great example of how he just responded. He was like, look, I, I'm a coach in the league. I'm not going to put myself in a certain box or in a certain corner uh, and answer this a certain way that then turns into a topic that I'm either endorsing or refusing to endorse. And he's right. And it's going on as they're preparing for the upcoming season. Well, Jenna Lane had a rough year in that Bucks locker room because later on she had the whole back and forth. That's with, right. You, you're the, injured all the, the time. Player. You're never available when she's asking someone a question. And the, the teammates did not take kindly to that. Uh, Rory McIlroy and Patrick Reed went back and forth, um, both on the driving range and on the course. Coming up, Mark Harris is going to join us. We'll dive into the storyline and the rivalry between the two. And a, a very intriguing storyline with Reed is he caught cheating again or not, where he claims to have spotted his ball that was caught in a tree. But then later, there are reports that they actually identified the wrong tree that the ball entered. So how would he have spotted his Titleist Pro V1 properly? And he said he got lucky. Get Mark's take on that. Uh, Trey Wallace is also down in Mobile. Coverage from the Senior Bowl for OutKick this week. Plenty of storylines. College coaches, head coaches, there in Mobile. You've got NFL coaches, general managers, staffs being put together, quite frankly, immediately now with all the hires going on. That's taking place in Mobile, where all the teams have gathered to get their first look at draft prospects. And the headline with Hendon Hooker, who is allowed to attend despite not being able to play with the ACL. All of that and more in hour number three here on Outkick 360. 